Welcome to Bob Into Buildings. I'm Bob Harrison. In this third series, I've been visiting more buildings on the island that have a story to tell. The previous two series are still available on the Manx Radio's webpage. Just look for Bob Into Buildings under podcasts. Tonight, in this final episode, Charles Gard and myself take a look at Government House. First, looking through the entrance porch into a really elegant reception area. Dominated by this fabulous chandelier which has got 1518 droplets on it i can tell you that this actually came from the nunnery and was bought by uh, a government property trustees or eventually bought by the government when the nunnery sale was on in the 1970s and it's a very fine uh, central piece this uh, we've got archways beyond which uh, the staircase this area is what was added on when lord raglan uh, became governor in the early 1900s. So those three arches then would have been the entrance? They could well have been the yeah. old front entrance and you can see how short that would have been uh, and how small the reception rooms would have been when Locke was here and was complaining about them and it was quite clear that um, it, it needed uh, it needed the extension and of course it's it's an interesting history about the fact the governors were given £150 a year to find their own accommodation and staff it. There was no government ownership of Government House. It was only as it developed that the government property trustees took it over and they bought the house and they actually then funded it. Even when Sir John and Lady Paul arrived here in the 1970s, they had to find their own staff. There's a rather pathetic advert in the paper asking for a butler and a housekeeper at Government House. Lady Paul, uh, for quite a few years, was doing all her own cooking and was actually uh, assisting with the catering for, for the huge receptions. And that's, you know, ridiculous. Um, I remember Nora Eason, the wife of, of the late First Deemster, Roy Eason, she said that when the Pauls came, they had come up here, Mr and Mrs Eason, and cleaned the house and got the heating going and aired the beds because there was nobody to do it. Uh, things are very different now, of course, but um, it's it been a bit of a rocky road. It's lovely. I, I must admit, I do like the natural wood that we find on three of the sides as well. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Excellent panelling. And, and this is, you know, Edwardian. Uh, and here in gold is a list of the lieutenant governors, as I say, starting in 1863 with Sir Henry Broomlock and right up to the present day. Come on then, tell us a story. Well, 1933. 1933, there is there, you see, Sir Montague Butler. And uh, there's a small space after the word Montague because it originally had an E on the end, G-U-E, and it should only be G-U. And His Excellency tells me that last year, one of the house guests here was Norman Lamont, who came out and said, oh, you've spelt Montague's name wrong. And so His Excellency has had the E scratched off. Now, that's pretty impressive for Norman Lamont to, to know anything about. Of course, Montague Butler's son was Rab Butler, who was a very famous Conservative politician, so maybe he did know about him. Pictures around the walls, pictures on the piano here. I'm assuming these are all house guests. Well, yes, I mean, you can see there are previous governors, Prince Edward and his wife. I mean, the, these are, are visitors to uh, Prince Charles. I mean, this is the, uh, the royal family, obviously, all of whom have visited here at one time or another. 
Oh, we've got stained glass windows as well, I noticed there. Yeah. Very, very posh. Nice, nice woodwork and scrolls, etc. on the staircase as well. It's, yeah, it's... I mentioned while we're out in the gardens, the, the, the governor's house is a business. This is business-like. Yes, it has to be practical. Yeah. And if you've been to receptions here, you've got... 150 maybe more people here there's a a line a line here where you shake hands when you come in and when you go and you know those reception rooms there's there's three big rooms there all of which can open up we'll see in a moment to make one long area and uh, it's it's marvelous um it has to function like that we look on the wall here all the governors have had their photos taken in various poses various costumes as well Yes, well, some are diplomats, of course. Um, some, or quite a lot of them, have been in the services. Uh, we've got Vice Admirals and Sir Ronald Garvey there now. You see, he has got the, the plumes on his head, uh, which was the sort of diplomatic type of hat that they wore. Uh, I have to say, on the days when I used to do the commentary at Tinwald, standing up on the uh, staircases at the back there, if the governor was wearing the plumed hat, it was very easy to see where he was in the crowd because I just looked for the feathers uh, and I knew when he was going to go into the church. But they don't, uh, they don't wear those anymore now. Uh, the early gentleman there, well, you see um, Sir Henry Locke and you can see Ridgeway and Walpole. Uh, Lord Henneker, um, not the greatest success as a governor. He was always late for all his appointments and indeed on one year he forgot to actually take the act to Tidwold with him so the whole ceremony was delayed. And next to him, um, Lord Raglan. Now, he was an incredible social man, socially very, very adept, but hated by the Manx people because he was right-wing, he was extremely conservative. He refused to allow the introduction of old-age pensioners because, and I quote, Oh, the old people of Douglas, they don't know how old they are anyway. And there was very great cries for reform, if you've ever read Samuel Norris's Manx Memories and Movements during the First World War. And it was as a result of his unpopularity, and when he finally left, that the governor's term of office became fixed. Because before that, you stayed for as long as you wanted. And you could stay for years. After that, it became seven years, and now it's five years. So... Uh, continuous reform and looking at these names you can see how popular they were because there is uh, a Walpole Avenue, a Ridgeway Street, Lock Promenade, oh, yeah. very little named after Raglan, a small pier down south. <laughs> okay, looking at the pictures as well we've got space for one more there when His Excellency leaves. Yes. Um, they're going to have to redesign that wall, aren't they? <laughs> well, that happens everywhere. I mean, it'll be the same in the Legislative Council and, and in the House of Keys, you know, as the speakers come and go, they, they need bigger walls to put them on. Let's wander around into the reception areas. Nice carpet here as well. Somebody enjoyed getting that contract for that carpet, didn't they? Into the reception area once again. Go on then, how many... How many droplets well, in I that don't know chandelier? how many droplets oh. there are, but I do know that these chandeliers were acquired by Lady Fry, who was uh, the wife of one of the governors, and 
apparently she bought them, she had them bought in Paris, uh, so they're really quite expensive. But it's the sort of chandelier that you would need in a room this size. And talking of carpet, this uh, is relatively new, it's about 10 years old, was made in Hebden Bridge, and it replaced a carpet that was made by the Douglas Carpet Company, can you believe, to celebrate the Queen's coronation back in the 1950s. So the old carpet has lasted, um, has lasted a long time. And uh, this one is very, very colourful. And, uh, you know, it matches the, um, the furniture as well. A nice room, nice drapes on the curtains. Um, we now know why there is a sort of like a decorative area outside because that's where the fireplace goes. Yes, uh, on this side and on the other side it is actually windows into His Excellency's office. In the cabinet there we see um, a marvellous dinner set that was made in 1979 as part of the millennium and on the mantelpiece uh, it's worth walking over just to have a look at that let's walk over and have a look at that past a wonderfully veneered coffee table as well oh yeah okay. it's a fantastic silver casket with a great viking ship on the front and little uh, panels of porcelain beautifully painted and this was given to uh, the governor uh, Sir William Fry on his departure. However, it wasn't actually finished by the time he left, so they had to post it on to him. And eventually the family decided to donate it back to Government House. But it's a magnificent silver casket. When you're saying about the pictures, they're sort of large postage stamp size, so miniatures they are, but wonderfully detailed. Exquisitely painted on porcelain. There's Government House, there's um, Tidmold in, on Prospect Hill there and a couple more on the other side. So yes, it is a very fine, very finely crafted work of art. And two original paintings on the walls here. Um, in the old days, I would say, well, even 20, 30 years ago, one of the things the governor was allowed to do was to go down to Manx National Heritage and select the paintings that they had in their collection that he would like put up in Government House. But I understand Manx National Heritage have stopped that now. They don't let the governor do that because they're worried about the light coming in here damaging the paintings. So these two original paintings are actually owned by Government House. And the far one there is of the chasms. And I'm told that when the Chinese ambassador was here some years ago, he was so taken by that that he insisted on being taken to the actual location. So they had to drive him down to the chasms. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a nice room, a great reception room. It's warm, it's friendly, which is basically what a reception room should be. Craftsmanship as we go through, while you were talking about the salver on top of the fireplace, looking at this, that marble of that fireplace is something special. Yes, I, I, it's not Manx marble, obviously, but it's no. got a, a very ornate wooden uh, mantelpiece above it. Gilded as well. Gilded, white painted and gilded. I mean, everything is in superb condition and you've got the wonderful views out onto the lawn there let's wander through into the second of the reception rooms which as you said the doors can be open so all of a sudden we have a total throughput into yeah a more i don't put this as like a family room it's more of a family room, yes, but of course the governors have their own apartments upstairs. They don't mm. sort of live on a day-to-day -day basis here. There are one or two family items, but again, 
this has uh, got another fine chandelier. In fact, another one you can see through there in the dining room. This is part of the, of the big reception areas. And often if you come here for the Christmas reception, there'll be a small piano here and... Uh, Entertainment. We sing Christmas carols, yes. We? Uh, well, whoever's here. <laughs> so some nice furniture here. There's um, Severin, Ormelu... There's a credenza and, and all sorts of quite valuable furniture that's been collected over the years. But, um, I mean, it's a bit sparse because, again, you've got to get 100 people in here. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this, unlike the other rooms, has got a fitted carpet in. And we have wooden pic no, models of yeah. animals, well, birds, yeah. at the top there on top of the fireplace. Go through... Once again, through a pair of gilded, yep, both sides, white doors or off-white doors. And this is the third of the reception areas with a wonderful raw painting. Well, this, of course, is the formal dining room and the small round table, which is currently set for four, uh, there's two places set for lunch, uh, will be expanded to fit uh, you know, 20 people around it uh, as required. But the key thing about this room, the dining room, is the number of portraits around the wall. And I remember a housekeeper saying to me that she often wondered what uh, Princess Anne or anyone felt when they came down for breakfast and they looked around here because all their ancestors are around the wall. The striking one is the portrait of a young George III done by the great portrait artist of the time, Alan Ramsey. And this will have been uh, a commission. Uh, Alan Ramsey will have painted it, and then his studio will have produced hundreds of copies, hundreds of copies, of which this will be That one. size? Not all that size, no. no, but they'll be small, they'll be big, there'll be etchings, there'll be lithographs, because these went out to the inns of court, to the government houses around the world, to the embassies, to the town halls, to see who the new monarch was. And indeed, that very painting used to hang in the Castle Mona in the early 1800s when the fourth Duke of Athol was living there. Uh, and he, of course, was our first governor after the uh, act of revestment. So uh, the boss, if you like, was uh, hanging on the wall. And most of them are here. Uh, George IV and William IV aren't, but then we get to Victoria and then we get to uh, Edward VII, of course, who visited a few weeks after his coronation, and George V. Uh, Edward VIII is not here because he abdicated so quickly, and indeed the Edward Pier in Douglas Harbour is the only civic works in the British Isles with his name on, because he'd gone before anyone else could get a project completed. But then, of course, we come to the, the current monarch. I love the idea of the little crowns above the portraits to signify that they are royalty. Yes, they're very nice. In fact, uh, Queen Victoria's crown is sitting on a little cushion very with tassels. Very delicate, isn't it? Very, yeah. very delicate. Very charming. <laughs> We have two units up the far corner on either side of George, which is where the kedgeree and deviled kidneys would have laid. Indeed, and little doors on the front with grills on. You can see that there are, in fact, radiators inside there. Um, and there's the, uh, the credenza, which is a 
posh Italian name for a sideboard, but nevertheless, some of the furniture here is, is really quite valuable. And quite contemporary, it, it, it fits in. Nothing seems to glare. No, it's very, very subdued, very clean, uh, white curtains here with just the right amount of tassels on, uh, little corners running around the ceiling with gilded flowers on, all white and gold, and, you know, cool, cool and refined, I think. Could you live here? Um, if I didn't have to pay for it, yes. <laughs> On Bob into Buildings tonight, I've been talking to Charles Gard about Government House. During this third series of Bob into Buildings, we have looked at St George's Church and its graveyard in Douglas. We've checked over Grove House in Ramsey, spoken about internment camps during both world wars, admired the workings of the old swing bridge on Douglas Quay and traced the history of Russian Abbey in Balasala. You can listen again to tonight's programme and also programmes from the first two series as podcasts at manxradio.com. I'm Bob Harrison. Good evening.